Tonight, let's do something a little different to start off with. It's going to seem random. It's going to seem awkward at first, but we'll work through it. I'm just going to say a few things. Might be one word, might be a phrase. And I want you to just assess those things as I say them and think about what emotions that it causes to stir up within you. Whatever that may be, whatever comes to mind, I want you to think about and kind of hold on what these specific things cause to stir within you emotionally as I say them. So I'm a college pastor. I think about you guys a lot. So I'll just start off with this one. Finals. Let's try another one. How about future? Okay, let's try another one. Let's change the demographic of the room a little bit. We've got to get everybody included. How about retirement? <laughs> but who's counting? All right, let's try another one. Kids. Let's, let's try another one. How do y'all really feel about your kids? <laughs> let's try another one. Health. Bank account. Y'all feeling some kind of way yet? I wish there was a way we could project on the screens the different emotions that were flashing up just with the mention of these words. Let's try one more. In-laws. <laughs> Let's try one more. Marriage. <laughs> those things, just the mention of some of those things and what they are synonymous with within our own lives will stir emotion within us. And it could be a broad spectrum of emotions that we feel at the mention of just one particular thing. So I might mention one thing, and you may feel fear. You may feel stress. You may feel worry. You may feel uncertainty. There's any number of things that you might could have felt in those moments at the mention of those things. But there's one thing in particular that at some point in time, at the mention of those things, I would bet most of the room felt at some moment, and that would be anxiousness, anxiety. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to take the Word of God and settle in in 1 Peter, and specifically chapter 5. Over the next few weeks, we're going to walk through a little mini-series looking at anxiety. Because anxiety is one of those things that affects all of us from time to time and to varying extents. And this particular time of year, especially because we're getting into the holiday season. 
Thanksgiving's right around the corner. Christmas is right around the corner. Just the mention of those things probably caused some anxiousness within you just then. Things that are meant to be fun, things that are meant to be enjoyable. But when you think about what those things entail, you think about getting together with family. You think about the pressure of buying gifts. You think about having to, having to, to post something on social media that shows how good your tree looks compared to everybody else's, even though that's not really their tree. You didn't see it. They copied and pasted somebody else's and put it on their social media page, but you think that's there, so you're supposed to look as good because you can't be outdone. All this pressure, all this anxiety is flowing into a season that's meant to just be relaxed and enjoyed. Anxiety is something that each and every one of us battle, and the thing is, anxiety has no age discrimination. We can walk around this campus on any given moment on a Sunday and I can take you to a specific part of the building where our senior adults are at and we can find anxiety in that place. In the same token, I can walk you down to our children's church building and walk into that room and you can find anxiety in that place. Anxiety affects us all. So how do we deal with it? We're going to walk through a little series over the next few weeks that we're going to call attacking anxiety because all of us have been victims of our anxiety attacking us. And it seems like anxiety is becoming more and more prevalent as a struggle in our lives and in our society. The generation that I work with, as a matter of fact, they have already labeled that generation the anxiety generation. That's like their identifier. There there is not hardly a single week that goes by. I don't have a conversation with a college-age young adult individual in this place that at some point in that conversation, I don't hear the words, I have anxiety. I hear it nonstop from them. So many people are being attacked by the anxiousness in their lives. As a matter of fact, studies show that anxiety disorders affect 40 million people in this country. With the most common of those disorders, these being medically diagnosed disorders. The most common being generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, and obsessive compulsive disorder, which is actually an anxiety disorder itself as well. So anxiety is especially hard to be shown through the studies on you ladies. You ladies are generally found to be more anxious than us men. And some of you are like, yeah, I wish my husband would get a little more anxious over some of the housework and pick up every now and then. But anxiety seems to hit you ladies particularly hard. People are stressed. People are worried. They're anxious over relationships, anxious over schools, anxious over finances, anxious over future, anxious over jobs, anxious over social media. As a result, people are either gaining or losing weight. Their hair is either falling out or they're pulling it out. Our anxiety is attacking us, and we're losing the battle on a lot of fronts. But can we reverse the trend and instead start attacking our anxiety? See, so many people within the church, I feel like, have a defensive strategy against anxiety. We do our best to hedge ourselves up for when anxiety comes. Everything we have in place is is a defensive mechanism. But what if we went on the offensive? What if we stopped sitting back and becoming an immobile target that's easy for anxiety to hit, and instead went on the offensive. And instead of our anxiety seeking us out, what if we sought it out and took the fight to it instead? Could we reverse the trend if we did that, if we can do that? And if so, how can we do that? So that's what we're going to hopefully learn over the next few weeks tonight. We're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 6. God's word reads, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, 
seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them, Welcome to Anxiety Anonymous. Welcome to Anxiety Anonymous. You thought you were coming to church tonight, but it's an AA meeting. You just checked into rehab. You know, no one ever really intends on getting addicted to something. It happens by just trying or experiencing that particular thing one time, and then all of a sudden a habit gets set up. That's why all throughout, guys, you go throughout your, your junior high, your high school years, you have these people come in to you and they talk to you about drugs. They tell you just to not even try. Why? Because all it takes is one attempt at trying something for an addiction to start. And I think we got some people here tonight who are anxiety addicts. Anxiety crept into your life a long time ago, and now it's that habit that won't go away. As a matter of fact, you can't even imagine your life without it. I mean, seriously, right now, those of you that struggle with anxiety, try to picture your life without that presence. It's almost impossible for us to do that. And most people of us sitting in here tonight, we're addicted. And let me give you some warning signs that reveal how you might be an anxiety addict, just in case you're struggling, because most of the times, you know, the hardest step is, is admitting that we have a problem. And so let's see if we have a problem. If you're struggling with that, you maybe, maybe you don't want to accept the fact you might be addicted to anxiety tonight. Well, let's see if you've got some of these identifiers in your life. First of all, you may have an actual diagnosable disorder, like we talked about earlier. You might have generalized anxiety disorder. You might have social anxiety disorder. You might have OCD. I understand that there is... 100% a physical, medical side, a chemical imbalances in our bodies and in our brains that cause us to have anxiety, some people more so than others. So I think one of the most detrimental things that we can do from the church is to tell people that your anxiety is just merely a spiritual problem, because it's not. There is that side to it, obviously, and we're going to address that over the next few weeks. But I also recognize that anxiety for some people is not just merely a spiritual thing. It is an actual physical disorder that you struggle with, that you need to have medication for, that will help your body and your mind deal with the things that it is imbalanced with. So don't for one second walk out of here tonight thinking, well, here we go. Here's another pastor telling me that I don't need to go to counseling and I need to throw all my medications away and all that stuff. I'm not saying that for one second. Anxiety is a real physical disorder for a lot of people. But at the same time, believing what we do about God's Word and knowing what we know about our adversary, we also can't ignore the fact that there is a spiritual side to this as well. So let's talk about, you might have the actual disorder, but Here's some other identifiers you might be struggling with anxiety, you might be addicted. Sleep is a struggle. You might find yourself sensitive to facial expressions. So you walk in a room and, and instead of just enjoying the company of where you're at, every facial expression that you see, you feel like is directed towards you. And that fires off the anxiety within your heart. You're sensitive to facial expressions. There's excessive worry in your life. And we all have worry to an extent. I understand that. 
that worry is, is a part of our lives, but yours is excessive, like crippling, like somebody cannot drive to the grocery store without you worrying whether or not they're going to make it back and you tracking their location the whole time that they're gone. Excessive worry, chronic fatigue, because anxiety will wear you out. It is a heavy thing to be anxious all the time. Chronic fatigue is a symptom. Irritability is a symptom. Why? Because if you're anxious all the time, and you're tired all the time, and you ain't sleeping all the time, eventually you're going to be ill all the time. Irritability is a symptom of someone who is struggling or could possibly be addicted to anxiety. So tonight is really just about us finding a starting point where we can begin to take back the ground that we've lost to anxiety in our lives. And I've got seven steps to share with you to start rehabbing. And these are actually taken from the 12-step AA program. We're going to retrofit them a little bit to meet God's Word tonight with where we're at in the text. So step one is admitting powerlessness over the addiction. So if you go back to verse 6 and you see what Peter says to these men and women, he says, humble yourselves. The first two words that we read from Peter are humble yourselves. This is the, hello, my name is Trey, and I'm a recovering anxiety addict. That's where you say, hello, Trey. <laughs> Come on, man. This is rehab. We're all a part of it. Humble yourselves. My name is Trey. I'm an anxiety addict. I struggle with it. <laughs> <laughs> the first step in attacking your anxiety is to admit that you don't have the power to overcome it. And this is a big first step for most of you that battle with it because for so long, that's the exact opposite of what you have been doing. Anxiety has been a hindrance and a struggle and an obstacle in your life that you yourself have been trying in your own physical power to overcome, and that's why it's not working. That's why there's no ground being gained. So the first step in attacking that is to admit you don't have the power to overcome it. That's what it means to be humbled in this context. When Peter says to these believers, humble yourselves, Humility is the essence of what we are looking for when it comes to admitting that we can't do something. It's out of my hands. It's out of my control. I don't have the power in and of myself to overcome this thing. So the first step for a lot of us is, is to stop being so proud that you won't admit your struggle. Now, I understand that this is a hard thing to do, especially when it comes to having an anxiety struggle. Why? Because what an anxiety struggle mainly reveals within us is that we struggle with trusting God. And who wants to just openly admit that they have trust issues with their father? Nobody wants to openly come out and say that. We feel shame in that. We feel embarrassment in that. We feel guilt in that. So we won't come out and be forthcoming and be honest with the reality that we have something in our lives that we cannot overcome that causes us to lack our trust and our faith in the Lord. But the real Reality is, is that we have got to get to the point where we can stop being so proud that we won't admit our own lack of strength. James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What we need in overcoming our anxiety problems is an abundance of God's grace to help us get through the addiction, but the grace doesn't come until the humility opens it up. You're wanting help. And you're asking possibly even for help, but in reality, you still got control of the situation. And so there is a lack of God's grace as 
harsh as that may sound, God's saying, I will, I'm more than happy to help. I'm more than happy to give you the strength that you need. But you've got to let go of some things. You've got to stop being so proud that you won't admit that this is a problem that you cannot overcome. Admit that you can't do it. Stop fighting this battle in and of yourself and out of your own power. Step two. Step two is believing that God can help. So you go back and look at what Peter was saying to his believers. He says, humble yourselves. And then he goes on to say, casting all your anxieties on him because he, oh, excuse me, let me back up, under the mighty hand of God. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So your second step is going to be to start truly believing in faith that God as the higher power can help you with your struggle. Psalm 121 verses 1 through 3 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. So when it comes to your anxiety, may I suggest that some of you are seeking help from the wrong sources. I remember what I said earlier. I understand that it is a physical problem for some people, and there is medication involved that will help you through that. I'm not saying that you can't go to counselors and, and therapists and talk through some of your things. I'm not eliminating any of those things whatsoever. But for a lot of us, who maybe your anxiety isn't a physical disorder, it's just something that you're battling and something that has overcome you to a point that it shouldn't, you are seeking help and guidance from the wrong sources. You're reading somebody else's book about how to defeat anxiety instead of God's book about how to defeat anxiety. You're listening to somebody else tell you how to overcome those things with a different avenue, with a different mindset, with a different mentality that does not align with the Word of God and His truth that shows us how these things can be overcome. So a lot of our problems stem from us seeking help from the wrong sources. It's amazing how many of us fully trust God with our eternal salvation, but fully doubt that He can help us with our temporary anxieties? With your own soul, you are exemplifying more trust and more faith in His ability than you are with the anxieties of your life. And sometimes that just blatantly has to be pointed out to us for us to realize exactly what we're doing. Doubting that, that God can really help us. Step two, believe that God can really help you. He says, at the proper time, he may exalt you or lift you up. You know what anxiety feels like for most people? It feels like a pit you can't climb out of. It feels like no matter how hard you scratch, no matter how hard you climb, no matter how many things you stack up to try and get back to the top of that hole that you fell in so long ago, it just keeps extending further and further, and you just keep slipping further and further back down. Anxiety is like a pit that you cannot get out. Peter says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time he may exalt you or lift you up. Only God, listen to me, only God has the power to grab you and lift you up out of your anxiety. Only he has that power. So we've got to start believing that he can and he will actually help us. Step three. Step three is deciding to turn control over to God. So go and look at verse 7. Peter says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So listen to what he's saying. He's saying, cast all your anxieties onto him. There are various seasons in my life where I struggle with anxiety more so than others. And one in particular intense season of me struggling with that, God walked me through this passage. 
and began to show me some things in particular that were very beneficial to me that I want to share, especially when it comes to the context of this part of the passage that we're at now, the casting all your anxieties. And what I had never noticed before is that casting entails action. To cast all your anxieties on him, that's an action. And I'm going to build on that a little bit, and I'm hoping that this will be as beneficial to you as it was for me. Peter, if you look at what he's saying, is admonishing these believers to throw all their anxieties on God. Now, Peter was a fisherman, and one of the most efficient, effective tools that they had for building their business was a throw net, a cast net. So as they would go and search for bait or as they go out and fish, they weren't as modernized as we are. You know, you didn't have like three, $400 rod and reel combos and $20 baits. So they go out there and catch a fish with. They grabbed the nets and they would fold them up and somebody would walk to the front or side of the boat and they'd rear back and they would cast the net out into the water. It's a throwing action. To cast is to actually throw. So when he's saying cast all your anxieties to him, he is literally saying, throw all your anxieties on the God. So now watch, watch. A lot of people, when it comes to anxiety, are good at telling God about the things that are making them anxious. Most of us don't struggle when it comes to our anxieties, taking them to God and telling God what we're anxious about. God, I'm anxious about my future. God, I'm anxious about this exam. God, I'm anxious about my health. God, I'm anxious about this family situation. God, I'm anxious about my bills at the end of the month. We're really good at telling God about our anxieties. But for most of us, that's all you do. And that's not all God is instructing us to do. You need to stop just telling your anxieties to Him and start throwing your anxieties on Him. That's an action. So it's not just merely enough for me to go to God and say, God, I'm anxious with this, this, and this. I can tell God all those things and yet still be physically holding on to control of the situation. When I take those things to God and I say, I'm anxious about these things, now please take them. I can't handle them. You tell me to cast all my anxieties on you. So I'm taking them and I'm literally throwing them upon you because it's too much for me to bear. That's relinquishing control over to God. Now, this can be an extremely hard step for anxious people to do. Why? Because those people that struggle with anxiety are fixers. And when things get beyond your control, it triggers your anxiety. So this step feels counterproductive. That's exactly how the enemy wants it to feel. It feels counterproductive as an anxious person to relinquish control of whatever situation is. Why? Because who do I feel is best qualified to handle the situation? Me. And if I relinquish control when it's out of my hands, then guess what else that triggers in my mind? I can't control the outcome. But the problem is, the outcome you've been getting this entire time is not the one you're seeking. So can I suggest trying something different? Let somebody else take control of the situation that you can't get yourself out of. Anxiety is like the epitome for so many of us. We don't realize it gets to this level. It's like the epitome of insanity at a certain point. Because we keep trying to control something that we cannot obviously control. Step four. Take a personal inventory. 
As Peter marches on, he says, be sober-minded and be watchful. The adversary of the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. So, pay attention. It will be of vital importance to identify the source of your anxiety if you're going to begin to overcome it. Taking a personal inventory is for that purpose, so I can identify where my anxiety is coming from. So over the next week, here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to do an anxiety analysis. Every time you get anxious, I want you to record it. Where are you? Who were you around? Were you by yourself? What caused it? Had I just ate? What did I just eat? What time was it? What did I just watch on television? Record all of these things. I might sound trivial. It might sound kind of dumb. But I promise you, if you will begin to take an analysis of some of these things and you begin to see what it is that is causing anxiety, you will begin to see patterns in that. So you might get anxious after every time you eat Mexican food. You might get something else after you eat Mexican food, indigestion or heartburn or something like that. But I don't know. That may be a pattern you begin to see. You might get anxious after every time you hang out with a certain friend group. But you've never realized it until now. You might get anxious at 9.30 every night. But you've got to begin to record these things. Why? So we can see a pattern develop. Because when I see a pattern develop, well, now guess what I can do? I can form a strategy because I know when to anticipate my anxious moments. There's something about that situation. There's something about that group. There's something about that specific time of night where the enemy has found something, some strategic point, some strategic place of entry to attack you with anxious moments, anxious thoughts. And once we begin to identify that, we can better form a strategy to battle against it. Because obviously, as Peter points out, the source of our anxiety can sometimes be Satan. It can be a spiritual attack. But at the same token, let me say this, you can't blame the devil for everything. A lot of our anxiety comes from what we allow to continue entering our lives at our own fault. So maybe it's not Satan's fault that you struggle with anxiety due to comparison. You just need to get off of social media. Maybe it's not Satan's fault that you struggle with anxiety over your next exam. You just need to stop procrastinating on studying. Maybe it's not Satan's fault that you struggle with anxiety over your health. You just need to stop Googling the symptoms. Start being more watchful over your own life and the things that may be fueling your anxiousness. Peter says, be sober-minded and be watchful. That's first. Then, he says, you have an adversary. You've got to watch yourself. You've got to pay attention to things that are coming into your own life. Then you can start worrying about the activities of the devil. Start being more watchful over your own life, and you may be able to start simply eliminating some of the things that are causing you anxiousness. Step five, admitting to God and another person the wrongs that are done. Verse nine says, resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. Peter tells these believers to resist. This is a battle. Anxiety is a battle. This is a war front 
It is a temptation for us to enter into something that is fleshly and that is not of God in all instances. And you've got to resist the temptation to give in to your anxieties. But the reality is there will be times that you mess up. That's the painful thing about being trapped in this fleshly body is that we face temptation and we still fall short from time to time. And so along with anything else, if you struggle with anxiety and you struggle with that temptation when it crops up in your life, there will be times that you mess up and there will be times that you give in and there will be times that you may face an attack. When that happens, confess it to the Lord and then find someone else who can help you stay accountable and can help you stay strong. This is a huge, huge, hugely important step. Building accountability within your life. Understanding the importance of I'm going to have failures, but I'm going to admit those to God when I do. I'm not going to sweep them under the rug, and I'm going to build some accountability around my life with other believers, other brothers and sisters in Christ that I can share my struggle with, but I can also share my shortcomings with. See, so many of us, like we talked about earlier, are good about telling God instead of throwing them on God. A lot of us are good about sharing with other believers what we struggle with, but we're not as good about sharing with them our shortcomings when we do mess up. You've got to build some accountability around your life because here's what most of you are doing with your anxiety. You're internalizing it. And you think that in the process of that, you're minimalizing it. But listen to me, internalizing isn't minimizing you think just because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shove this down inside of me, I'm going to suppress and I'm going to compress and I'm going to keep this within my own life. You think that's minimalizing the problem, that I can keep it all bottled up in here and I won't let it get out and it's not that big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. You internalize and you internalize thinking that's getting the problem to become smaller in your life, but it's not minimizing it. It's not ridding you of it whatsoever. It's not making the problem any smaller. You've got to get it out in the open. Why? Because I promise you, you're not the only one struggling. Listen to what Peter says. He says, resist from your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being expected through your brothers throughout the entirety of the world. And he's talking about persecution. But I can promise you there were some anxieties that came with persecution. Not knowing whether or not the next day is going to be your last because you choose to worship Jesus would cause some anxiety amongst the believers. That's why he said at the beginning, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because the persecution of this body was causing anxiousness within them. And so you've got to get it out in the open because you're not struggling alone. Peter says, you guys, you think you're struggling this by yourself? Take encouragement, take heart. There's believers all across the world that are struggling with the same things that you're struggling with. So listen to me. You might not choose to struggle, but you do choose to struggle alone. Paul talks about in Galatians, as the body of Christ, we are to bear one another's burdens. We got to get better at that. Bearing one another's burdens. Getting these things out in the open so that healing can come through that, so that God's power can work through the body of Christ as he designed it to be. Step six. Step six is being ready to have God correct the shortcomings. And it will be important that you allow God the freedom to make corrections in your life. And when he does so, you must be willing to adhere to those corrections. Let me say that again because I feel like that's way easier said than received. It will be important that you allow God the freedom to make corrections in your life. And when he does so, you must be willing to adhere to those corrections. It does us no benefit to hear corrective reproof from the Lord 
and then not take action in the corrections that he has given us. James says we're like a man who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he saw. When God reveals things to us along these lines of how to overcome our anxieties, we've got to be willing to adhere to whatever corrections he tells us to make. He may point things out that you need to cut out, but in reality, you don't really want to cut those things out. It may be a friend group. It might be... It, it might be a TV series. It might be music. It might be things on a daily basis we think it's not that big of a deal to take in, but it's wreaking havoc on your soul. And as much as we may like those things, as much as we may enjoy those things, if God says to cut it out, it's got to go. Otherwise, let's not keep coming back in here and complaining about our anxieties. Be ready to have God correct the shortcomings. As a loving father, he's going to do so. It's up to us whether or not we're going to choose to receive it or not. Step seven, last one. Asking God to remove those shortcomings. If you go and look at verse 10, Peter says, After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace... I love those, those kind of moments in the Bible the God of all grace. Don't y'all love grace? You love having a gracious God? But did you see where the grace showed up at, though? After the suffering. <laughs> After you suffer for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Start asking now, men and women, that God would deliver you and bring you freedom from your anxieties, whatever they may be. It's going to take some time. This, uh, it's not an overnight process. Like Peter said, there's going to be some suffering to go through. It's not going to be an easy battle. One, because if there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's that when you begin to attempt to take ground back that the enemy has gained in your life, he never relinquishes that without a fight. And so if he's have you pinned and pegged with anxiety for years maybe, the moment he senses that you're getting ready in the name of Jesus to take that ground back, you're going to fight. I'm just going to give it up. There's going to be suffering in this battle. But Peter says, after that suffering for a little while, God doesn't leave you in your battle alone. He says, the God of all grace is going to show up. Anxiety, if you struggle with it, you know this to be true. Anxiety will break you apart. It will shatter your self-confidence. It will zap your strength. It will leave you shaken. But did you hear what Peter said about when the God of grace shows up? God has the power to restore where you've been broken, to confirm your self-confidence that was shattered, to strengthen the energy you had zapped and establish you where you were once shaken. Go back and look at it one more time, verse 10. 
the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.